Hello and welcome to Behind the Sounds. Um, today I'm joined from Nashville, the amazing songwriter Ben Johnson. Welcome, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, we were just chatting a little bit about quarantine. Nothing's really changed much in Nashville, but you've been really productive um, by the looks of things. How have you found it work-wise? Um, you know, it's, it's, everything's different like it is for everybody. So, um, but I think songwriting is something that's kind of an isolated process anyway. You know, it's usually just yourself or just one or two other people. Um, and so, yeah, it hasn't changed it too, too much. Um, and Nashville hasn't been hit as hard as a lot of other places like LA. I know they're not doing like any in-person sessions, mm -hmm. but we're still doing some here, uh, being careful about it. Um, but yeah, and then Zoom, of course, has changed the game for everybody. I mean, we're doing stuff like this, like right now and, and done a lot of writes on Zoom. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's different, but it's a, it's a fun ad adventure and it's a learning process for everybody. And it's kind of inspiring in some ways. Yeah, definitely. And you, you've had an incredible couple of years um, and we will we'll talk a lot about it. But I want to go back a little bit. Um, just your your musical beginnings, I suppose. Um, I know you come from a musical family. Again, we'll talk about your, your sibling trio. Um, but what was yeah, yeah. where did the musical influence come from in your family growing up? What was it like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So my mom is very musical. And my mom's parents, my grandparents are really musical. So my grandma taught me how to play piano when I was six. And um, my granddad was like our church choir director. Um, that wasn't like his full-time job. It was just our church had like a hundred people or whatever, but you know, and, uh, and you know, my mom played the flute. And so I think they all just really loved music and kind of passed that down to me. And my dad like appreciated music, but, um, he was definitely more of a sports guy, so he would like, you know, coach my soccer teams and my baseball teams and stuff like that. Um, so it's pretty well-rounded, I'd say. But yeah, definitely my grandparents and my mom, um, you know, probably gave me that love for music. Yeah. And did you always think I'm going to grow up and be a musician or was there other careers that you thought would <laughs> no, happen I thought, first? I thought I would be a professional baseball player <laughs> for a really long time. And then I had a, a, a moment when I was like 16 where I realized I wasn't good enough to play professional <laughs> baseball. <laughs> so I need to figure out something else. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you played a lot of classical music, am I right? Did you go, so you went to Belmont on a, is it a cello scholarship? So. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, like I said, I took piano for my grandma and my, uh, and then as I got older, I think I was nine, I wanted to play a different instrument. And so I think I wanted to, I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. I wanted to play bassoon, and then my mom was like, "Don't play bassoon, you'll be a loser." Sorry, <laughs> bassoon players out there. And uh, and then so I was like, "Well, I guess I'll play like the string equivalent of a bassoon." So I picked the cello. Yeah. And um, yeah, it would have been a very different career, I guess, if I had played bassoon and tried to get into <laughs> what I'm doing now. I don't know. But um, yeah, so I I started taking cello lessons. My granddad would drive me. We didn't, I mean, our town didn't have any cello teachers or anything, you know, it was really small mm -hmm. towns. My granddad would drive me every Friday, an hour and a half to the nearest town with like a, you know, a teacher um, for about four or five years. So it was pretty, pretty amazing that he did that. Looking back now, I'm very thankful for him for doing that. And um, so, yeah, that's how I got playing cello. And then, uh, you know, as I got older, I picked up lots of different instruments. I got super into bluegrass at one point. I got super into like British Invasion. I got super into... You know, yeah, you go through the phases when you're in high yeah. school or whatever, and you 
go through all, and, the, and then I just try to recreate it. So I started learning logic and figuring out how to record, you know, uh, all the different things I was hearing in my head, you know, I had a little studio in our basement, um, in, uh, in our house. So yeah, that's kind of how I got started. But yeah, I ended up getting a scholarship, uh, to Belmont. So it was through my cello, but also my major was composition and arranging. So I, mm. I was, I was, I was writing music for like, um, movies and, um, like that's kind of, I love movie music, like John Williams and stuff like that. So I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that'd be a fun degree to get to learn how to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you, when you moved and you started your degree, was there a goal? Was there anything in particular, like I'm going to be a songwriter, I'm going to be a composer? Like what was, what was the aim? Yeah. So I think I've always, I, I'm very goal oriented and, um, along with my sisters. So we all moved here together. Um, and I, you know, when we, when I got here, I, I wrote down all these goals on this, on, on sticky notes and I put them on the wall in our apartment. And so my purpose um, has always been to have a career with my sisters, like with our band. And so that was like the big goal. And then under that, the sub goals under that were things like, okay, what can I do to help that dream come true? And one of them was like, okay, I think I need to get really good at writing songs unless people want to give us hit songs where, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to write them ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I always wanted was like, I always loved like Ryan Tedder and Max Martin and guys like that who were, I guess, quote, like super producers, I think is what they've been called before. It's like they write the songs, they produce the songs for the artists and they have like this factory of putting out songs. And so one of my goals has always been, you know, I want to be like the country version of Ryan Tedder. I want to, you know, write the songs. I want to be able to produce the songs. I want to do pop songs. I want to do country songs. I, and then Ryan Tedder has his own band too, One Republic. So I was mm -hmm. like, I want my band as well. So that's, I guess I just really want to be Ryan Tedder. That's awesome, right? <laughs> Don't we? <laughs> um, I mean, like you're well on your way there though. So you have the band with your sisters, uh, Track 45. Yeah. You've like had a great year. You've been signed this year. Your EP's come out. Has that, obviously you said it's been a goal for a while how how did it kind of finally happen was it timing or how did it happen so it, this year was your year yeah it's uh i i don't know it's just i think it's a lot of hard work obviously and it's it, i think the main ingredient is just perseverance you know i've i've been here for or we've been here for almost eight years so um, and it wasn't smooth sailing. I mean, I, I personally, I've got turned down from almost every single publisher on Music Row. Um, you know, our band got turned down more time. I mean, you know, it's you get a lot of no's before you get one yes. Mm -hmm. So you got to go through a lot of different things. But I think a big turning point for the band, you can recognize when you look back, like, okay, that was a big turning point. It's when we met our managers. So Gary Borman, who manages Keith Urban, and Missy Gallimore, who, um, you know, is Tim McGraw's a and and has an amazing manager as well. Um, when they signed us, when we got connected with them, that was a huge turning point for our band. Um, mm -hmm. And everything kind of started to become laser focused on, okay, these are the steps we need to take. And these are the people we need to be talking to. And that was a big, that was a big moment for that. Yeah. And obviously your EP came out this year. Was there a plan for like a tour, things like that? Because obviously, oh, yeah. unfortunately this year it, it hasn't happened, but have any plans kind of been delayed what's kind of happening around that sort of thing because that is that's what you do you know you release music and you tour it so uh, what's happening instead yeah that's a that's the that's the big question yeah of course you know you want to go on a tour after you release so you can 
get the music out there and connect with the fans. Um, but we, you know, you can't throw a pity party. Everybody's going through the same thing. So uh, you just kind of have to get creative. Uh, we've got a great team around us who have thought of a lot of unique ways to uh, to market the music. Um, it's a lot of social media, which I know it gets tiring sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's just like um, you know, it's, if that's the only way you can connect with fans, but, but you just make the best of it. And um, we've been able to do some virtual shows. We actually got to do C two C virtually at a yeah. studio which is really cool um and so yeah there's there's opportunities but hopefully it looks like you know with this new vaccine knock on wood cross yeah. the fingers <laughs> that, uh next year we'll be on the road yeah and um obviously you said it's a goal working with your siblings but what is it like working with your sisters like is there does family get involved is it kind of like you have to separate oh, well, you gotta, the aspects you gotta pay of it Story. It's going to be on E News one day. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's really great. Um, we've always been really close. Not to say we don't have fights and disagreements, um, but I think we've just gotten really good at resolving those quickly. And, um, and and you know our our goal every time we sit down to write, every time we go into performance, we just say, "Wow, we're so, we're so." We try to have this mindset of like, you know, we're so lucky to get to be able to make music for a living. That's such mm -hmm. a crazy weird thing and that we get to get, do it together and so we just try to enjoy it and have fun with it and uh, work as hard as we can so we don't have any regrets but you know life goes fast so you try to just enjoy it while while you got it yeah no family therapy sessions then yet <laughs> no not yet <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm keeping our ear out um so yeah. back back to kind of you um as a songwriter producer a couple of songs that you've the last few years have just surely been amazing for you. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the songs that you've written. Uh, there is there are so many, so I've had to kind of pinpoint a few. Um, one I want to talk about a few years back, um, you said you wanted to write pop songs as well. It's a song for Charlie Puth that you got to write. Um, yeah. That was a big hit like for him on, on tours and things. It's a real, um, a real kind of showstopper. Um, Patient, how did that come about like how did you get in the, in the studio with him so talking about big turning points um for the career it's that was a big 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 turning point for me so i i like i said i'd gotten turned down by like almost every publisher <laughs> like i was begging people like please sign me i promise i work harder than anybody else you know mm -hmm. all right so yeah uh so i met ashley gorley who is like the goat of all goats in the mm -hmm. country music maybe just world songwriting scene and um and i was very fortunate to get to meet him and he gave me some incredible advice um on just you know how to get better and he would listen to my songs and give me feedback which was so valuable and you know he didn't say he was going to sign me he was just like i'll i'll listen to your songs as long as you send them i'll give you feedback which was better than anything i could have asked for and i had written a song i'd had a um i had a big fight with my now wife at the time and i wrote this little song um uh called patient as an apology to her um i had the melody come to me in like a kroger i went to kroger to pick up some flowers or something probably <laughs> <laughs> and uh in the kroger parking lot which is like our grocery store and um and that song really changed my life i played it for ashley and also co-written with um jay cash and one of my best friends fraser churchill and charlie and so I had that chorus and then I um, played it for Ashley and Ashley was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty good. 
I'm going to send this off to somebody. I didn't even know who. And literally uh, the next night at three o'clock in the morning, I get a call from Ashley and he said, Hey, what are you doing right now? I remember you said that. Cause I was like, I'm asleep. What else would I be doing <laughs> in the morning? Like, and he's like, uh, well, Charlie Puth heard your song. I was like, Oh, what? And this is like right after attention had come out. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he's in the studio. He's recording it right now. I was like, what in the world is happening? So it's kind of like from having nothing happening to mm-hmm. having one of the biggest artists in the world listen to your song. So uh, we ended up finishing that song remotely. So he used the chorus and then wrote new verses on it. And um, I actually got to hang out with him while he was in Nashville um, a few weeks later. And we got to talk about the song. I was really, we got to listen to it. And um, that was a big turning point in my career. Yeah, that, that song will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, and, and such a great song. And then was it, was it after that, obviously, Matt Ashley, and you then signed with Take Room, which is his publishing company. Did that kind of alleviate from that song kicking off? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Ashley and I were already, you know, friends and we're already talking about maybe doing something, but that definitely kickstarted everything into gear. And, and that also, uh, you know, brought in the other aspect of my deal. So I have a country publisher, which is Take Room and Ashley here. And then I have a pop publisher it's a joint venture so called apg which is mike karen's company and that's where charlie was signed so um i was fortunate to be able to get both sides of the equation there because i knew like i said i wanted to have uh pop songs and country songs so mm-hmm. i got really really lucky that song opened a lot of doors for me and um and ended up yeah leading to my publishing deal yeah what was it like hearing it for the first time because he's got such a distinctive voice, hasn't he, as well? So Yeah, he does. Um, he's just the most musical person and most talented person in the world. So, um, yeah, anything he touches kind of becomes better and he makes it his own, which is just incredible. Um, yeah, hearing it for the first time was an out-of-body experience. For someone who's never had a – I never had a cut before. You know, I didn't even have – I'd never even heard an artist sing a song. And my very mm-hmm. first song uh, was hearing one of the biggest pop stars in the world uh, sing. I mean, yeah, that's, it's hard to beat. <laughs> yeah. It's like you start from the bottom, but actually that's a pretty good yeah, way to yeah, start. <laughs> real quick. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like, obviously you were working on a lot of things at the time, but how obviously you signed and everything, but did you feel like your name got out there more? Were you introduced to more people? What kind of happened after that to just kind of make things even bigger? Yeah, I think, well, <laughs> You know, you think when you have a big moment like that, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be writing with who's who. I'm going to be writing with all these artists. I'm going to be getting all these cuts. Well, that was it was almost two years before I had another cut after that. So because I didn't have that infrastructure, like I went from literally, right, you know, writing every now and then and writing by myself a lot to having to, you know, learn how to write every day with different artists and with different writers and build up my aware of my, my name, you know, cause no one even knew who I was. So I had to kind of build up those levels that you need, um, to get cuts, you know? And so, uh, and I learned a lot and I, and I worked really hard. Um, but yeah, so it was a process. It wasn't like, um, immediately I started getting all these cuts. It was very much like I, I did get in better rooms for sure. And then the more, you know, you have good rights and good rights and good rights. And, and then people hear about you and you get connected with different people. And it's a whole, you know, um, not ladder is not the right word, but it's just mm-hmm. an infrastructure you have to build um, in the community. You have to make your community bigger. And so, um, yeah, but it was, it was definitely the beginning of a, of a longer process, uh, but it jump started it. 
yeah definitely and we we will talk a lot about because you've had a lot of country hits so we will we will dive into them but another pop hit you've had which i can't even imagine how cool this must be for you is you got in a room with with literally the legend justin timberlake um so how does obviously you said like you're relatively unknown and this happened like within the last few years at the beginning mm -hmm. of this year um <clears throat> song comes out meek mill featuring justin timberlake that you got to co-write alongside them how like how yeah. did that happen what's the story there yeah i think it's funny i mean you work really hard but you have to get there's there's definitely luck involved and serendipity and all that stuff you know mm -hmm. um so I'm not going to pretend like I I did something super amazing to deserve that opportunity, really. but I did work really hard. And that was another one of those choruses that I just had in my pocket uh, for a long time. I wrote that song, um, that chorus uh, as to myself. Um, so Patient came out. And like I said, it was two years before I had another cut. Mm. So I, about probably a year into that, I I was... I was really down on myself. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I feel like I'm working really hard, but I don't feel like anything's happening. And I, I honestly, I wanted to give up. And so I, I wrote this song to myself, telling myself not to give up. And like, I believe in you. I was singing it mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. Um, and it was just like one of those really emotional moments I had. I, I played at my piano downstairs, like I have this really terrible upright piano. And, um, and I voice memoed it and I literally, it, it got me through a few days and I forgot about it. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward about a year later, I'm in the studio with um, Rob Knox, who's Justin's producer. And um, we are bouncing around ideas and we were actually, I don't know if I should say this. I can say this, it's probably fine. We were waiting on a another writer to get there. So it was mm -hmm. supposed to be three of us. And um, we had a rapper who was coming to join us and, and he was about six hours late. <laughs> so, so we were kind of bored. We were watching The Office, we were eating. I mean, we were just kind of bouncing around ideas. And, uh, and he played this beat and I, you know, it was God, must've been God just was like, hey, remember that song? It was a, just similar tempo. And I thought, wow, that kind of sounds like that song I wrote a year ago to myself. And so I, I played it in and I sang it and I literally thought nothing of it. You leave and you go, man, I wish that rapper had showed up. Oh, well, maybe, maybe a waste of a day. I mean, I, I called my wife and I said, oh, man, I was so frustrated. I was hoping to get to write with this guy and he didn't show up. And so I don't know, I was, you know, I felt like it was a waste of a day. Mm -hmm. And then a uh, long story short, about three months later, I get a, a FaceTime out of the blue from Justin Timberlake. And I, I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what is happening right now? And he's like, hey, man, I just wanted to thank you so much for writing this chorus. I'm in the studio recording it right now. Um, we got Meek Mill, who just put down some verses. And uh, I think it's going to be huge and like all this stuff. And so we got to hang out and talk a little bit, and which is really gracious from an artist. I mean, a lot of a lot of artists don't take time to, to do that. I don't know if everybody knows. Um, that's not always the case. And for mm -hmm. the, the biggest you know, legend, like you said, in the world to reach out and to include you in the process is really, really cool. And Charlie was cool about that as well. So I've gotten lucky with that. And so, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. It was, uh, and so it's a good reminder um, that there's sometimes the, the days you think are wasted are not, and you got to just show up and put in the work and then let the results uh, fall how they'll fall. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you said kind of, what was that like, fate, like, literally facetiming 
of everyone, you know, you have a list of people that you think might FaceTime you in a day. Justin yeah, Timberlake no. calls you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What was your well, reaction? Did you play it cool? I wish I had. I, I maybe I played it. I don't know. I I remember I was asleep, so I was I was I woke up from a nap, and I was actually at my friend's house, and so I was so disoriented. I was like, "Is somebody pranking me right now?" Or like, I don't know what's happening. And then um, I I remember I was like, "Okay." Well, and so we're just kind of talking and talking about the song, and, and I think I said something like, "You know, uh, you know, Backstreet Boys is my favorite band." Just trying to mess with him. And he's like, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so it, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it must be. And again, like one of them voices you hear and you know it. And it's like, that's your song, your lyrics, writing to yourself. And now millions was, of people have heard it. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And it was like really, really cool. Because I look back when the song came out, um, I look back and it had been exactly two years since I had written that song to myself. Mm. And I was like, believe in you you can do this and then two years like almost to the day later it came out and like affirmed you know that that uh that belief i had in myself i guess yeah exactly and it obviously paid off you know not a wasted day and i bet no. that writer is regretting not turning up because <laughs> yeah, i could know, have had yeah. a justin timberlake it <laughs> i know i haven't told that story too many times because i'm like oh i hope he doesn't hear it and like get pissed at me but uh, you know what he didn't show up i he's he can't yeah. be mad at me there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you grow up listening to country or is it something that kind of came with moving to Nashville and, and working with these people what was the kind of influence there uh yeah so definitely had a lot of country music growing up so the town I'm from Meridian Mississippi is like the birthplace of Jimmy Rogers who is the father father of country music um so I mean grew up listening to a ton of Jimmy Rogers Tim McGraw uh, not as much like the old like 90s country uh more and, you know more like um you know the tim mcgraw kind of i know he's 90s as well but i was early 2000s is when i kind of got into it so kind of everybody from there on but um but yeah country was a big part of uh, my upbringing and bluegrass too i love ricky skaggs i loved like cherry holmes i love um you know all those kind of uh like even nickel creek kind of some new grass stuff mm. and um you know but I definitely had to learn a lot about country music. I wouldn't say I, I was, you know, as well versed as a lot of the guys here. Cause again, like I wanted to be Ryan Tedder. I was listening to a lot of One Republic. I love the Beatles. I was listening to a lot of Max Martin music, Katy Perry, that kind of stuff, Kesha. And so, uh, yeah, so it, uh, it probably, you know, the fact that I had that country background, but also I had a lot of those, you know, I, I was such a huge pop, you know, head i don't even know what the word is i just love pop music uh probably helped me bring something a little different to the room um here in nashville yeah definitely and one of the artists that you kind of have worked with a lot and as you said like you're producing and writing with her as as kylie morgan who's having a great few years and one of them artists you know as you were just saying like the pop influence she has so many different influences in her voice how did that come about and, and you talk about working with you know goats you're working with with shane McAnally, who is one of the goats in Nashville. Um, yes, so what was that like? How did that come about kind of working with her and, and kind of from the beginning almost with like yeah. her debut records and things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I met her through a really good friend of mine and, and a mentor of mine, Rivers Rutherford, who's a, you know, an incredible songwriter who's written so many hits. And um, he pulled me into a write with her um, about four years ago, maybe. I don't remember. It was a while ago. 
And, um, and we just hit it off and from that very first write and we stayed in touch and we kept writing and we became really, really good friends. And, um, and she didn't have anything going on. I think she might've had a publishing deal, but she definitely didn't have a record deal. She wasn't connected with Shane in any way or anything yet. And so, um, so really it just came from us being really good friends. And the song I wrote with her um, and Rivers ended up helping her get her publishing deal uh, with Shane. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's funny, you know, over the years, you just kind of see how all these little dots connect. And um, because we were such good friends and, and a lot of my demos I was making for her, um, they were really loved. And so Shane asked me to co-produce her project with him. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, he's a he's one of the goats. And so I've learned so much from him. Uh, the way he approaches music is um, just really, really refreshing um, in a community of, you know, professional writers you know sometimes it gets a little too like all right this is inside and you're thinking about everything so much shane is very very good about you know listening to music very purely and like how does how if i'm driving down the road with my windows down how does this make me feel you know he mm-hmm. says a lot does make you feel and so i think that's a that's something i've really learned from him is uh to try to listen like a like a listener not a professional writer yeah definitely and was that kind of your first experience co-producing a record and some singles Probably. Um, I think I've produced some things before, but just on my own. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I've co-produced some things with Ashley as well. Uh, but I, I can't remember if that was maybe after that. So yeah, I think that yeah. was. What's it like doing it alongside someone else? Is it hard to kind of share or is it, does it make it easier? Uh, I don't think it makes it easier or harder. I think mm-hmm. it's, um, it makes it more fun. Honestly, I think, um sometimes when you're producing by yourself it can be kind of isolating because you're sitting in front of your computer for like eight hours and just there you know working on something over and over but it's great to be able to you know have shane in the room and be like hey that's cool oh hey that's not cool or i can call him and be like what do you think about this idea and he could say you know i, I was thinking maybe we could reference this obscure 80s pop song and this you know it's, it's fun it's yeah. he's so good about making everyone feel included and and keeping the vibe so positive. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's no one who does not have fun working with Shane McEnany, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and then kind of moving on, another kind of songwriter producer extraordinaire you've worked with is, is Hardy, who again, like these people and, you know, having great years, you know, you must be a part of this because all these people you've worked with are just kind of blowing up recently. He's just released uh, a few records and you've been a part of that. What's he like to work with and writing new songs with him? Ooh, uh, so Hardy is definitely probably the most talented, you know, one of the most talented guys I've ever gotten to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he actually grew up just about 30, 45 minutes from me in Mississippi. So he's from a town called Philadelphia. I'm from a town called Meridian. They're just like right here and here. Yeah. And uh, we, we didn't know each other growing up, but he actually, we met, um, my band was playing a show at a little venue called The Basement. And we played a song where we referenced something about the Neshoba County Fair, which is in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so he came up to us afterwards and was like, oh my gosh, I'm from Philadelphia. You know, I love the Neshoba County Fair. And we're like, well, we used to go play Neshoba County Fair. So we kind of connected over that. We had that Mississippi connection. And, um, and from there, we, we just kind of stayed in touch over the years. And, um, and man, it, he was just a writer when I met him. I, don't, I think he was signed, but, but he didn't have any hits yet or anything. Mm-hmm. And to see his career blow up like it has is is not surprising honestly because he's so good yeah. 
it's like, uh, yeah, when you're in the room with him, you just know you're going to get something great. And talk about another guy who's just uh, really fun to be around. Um, he makes he makes it all just seem easier and and more fun. So yeah, I've really gotten lucky to get to write with him and, and to call him a friend. Yeah, and um, I really want to know what's the story? How did you end up in his music video? <laughs> oh, that is a good story. Uh, yeah, so obviously, uh, "Give Heaven Some Hell" um, is a song that I wrote with Hardy and Hunter Phelps and Ashley Gorley, and I think it was like on a Friday. Hardy texts me and he was like, hey, I'm going to have a music video on Monday. Uh, would you want to be in it? Or something like that. Maybe it was the next Friday. I don't remember. It was a little bit before that. I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I'm trying to get, you know, all my you know, best friends in Nashville to be a part of this. And so I was like, yeah, sure. And, um, and I got to the shoot that day and they, they said, uh, how do you feel about getting inside a coffin? I said, excuse me? <laughs> and I said, not really good, honestly. I don't want to get in a coffin. And they said, well, we need somebody to play the dead guy. And, uh, and, and I was like, well, I don't really want to get in the coffin. And they said, well, okay, what if you don't have to get in the coffin? And I was like, all right, this sounds good. And so uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I got to, I got to play the, the dead guy. Um, I think it might have traumatized my, my grandparents to see me, see me die <laughs> prematurely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did that all in one day, and it was like a lot, of, a lot of us were really good friends, so we got to all hang out and just – go out in the middle of nowhere and have a bonfire. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a great day when you get to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I love that he was like, I just want my friends in this video. That's awesome. Yeah, um, super cool. Yeah, and then previously, like a couple, earlier when we were talking, you mentioned you wanted to like write music for movies and things like that. And something that happened this year is, is that you had a cut in a movie. Um, so On Me, which was recorded by Thomas Rhett and Kane Brown and Ava Max, was part of the Scoob movie. I'm so intrigued. Like, how did that happen? Was it written for the movie or was it a song that turned into a movie song? Yeah. So that song is a, a song we wrote um, two years ago. Um, <laughs> and so I wrote it in L.A. with two really good friends of mine. Now it's the first time we had met then. But um, Jim Levine and Andrew Cedar, who both are incredible writers and have a bunch of hits. Um, <laughs> and so the day we wrote that song, we we really liked it and we thought it was something special and we sent it and um, Jason Derulo recorded it. Yeah. And so Derulo had, and he, um, he made it his own, changed a few of the lyrics and things. And, um, and he kind of had it for a while. I think he had it for about a year and he almost put it out a few times, but for some reason or another, it, it just never seemed to connect the dots there. And, um, and then the Scoob movie was coming out and um, a friend of mine, um, explicit was uh executive producing it and he was like hey we need this song for the spot in the movie um that you know do you have anything that could be good and so my publisher ended up sending um on me and um i think it got recorded by 15 different artists maybe i don't know it was a lot of different artists i I probably can't say who all was on it i mean it just went through a lot of different people Uh, Mm -hmm. but we were fortunate to to end up with the great group on there, Thomas Rhett, Cam Brown, and Ava Max. And um, it really ended up uh, kind of being a, a little hit even outside of the movie, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, got radio play without ever being pushed to radio and that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was that was pretty fun uh, to get to hear a song and movie for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then kind of wrapping things up like to, to this week, this year, um, <laughs> Your your first song on country radio, if I'm right, 
Um, your first number one on country radio, one of them girls, Lee Bryce, he's just released his new album. You've got a couple of hits on it. What, what a start for country radio. Um, how did that come about working with Lee and working on, on that, that particular song and on his record? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm super fortunate first off, uh, to be able to work with the people I do. And Lee is definitely one of those people. He's incredibly talented. Um, has an incredible voice, uh, but he's a great writer too. And, um, and so this was Father's Day, not this year, but last year. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that's May, maybe. I don't know what month that is. But, and um, I was driving to Mississippi to go see my dad. And I got a call from Ashley Gorley, my publisher. And he said, hey, um, do you, would you want to write with Lee Bryce tonight? Uh, he's cutting tomorrow and he wants to get one more song in. And so I went, and I turned around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I called my dad. My dad said, no, go do that. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, and so we started that song, I think at 10 o'clock at night, it was pretty late. And Lee just had it in his head. He's like, I think we can get one more song one before I go in and, and, you know, cut the record tomorrow. And, um, so it was Dallas Davidson, Ashley and Lee. And, I, and so before Lee got there, I had this uh, beat in my head. And so I, I got there maybe like nine and I kind of sketched out this beat. And so when Lee walked in, we, we already had a vibe going and we had some ideas. I think Dallas had that idea. Um, he, he, we didn't know what it would be like, but he just said, one of them girls would be a cool title because it sounds like kind of a negative thing. But if we made it positive, it'd be really fun. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, from there, I mean, uh, we drank Red Bulls and stayed up till about three in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, and Lee is such a monster. He left, slept about two hours and then was texting us from the studio at like seven o'clock in the morning. Like, hey, we're about, to, we're about to get in and record this thing. I was like, dude, how are you even alive right now? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that talk about a lot of times you write songs and it's like a year before you know if anything's going to happen with it. Mm -hmm. But to write a song from three in the morning and then it's cut at like eight in the morning is pretty awesome. <laughs> you don't have yeah, to definitely. wait too long. And then like a month later, we got to hear the recording, maybe a few months later, and um and uh in you know went to country radio and it was a, a big hit and um yeah i'm super fortunate uh that lee um pulled me in on that and um, that speaks to him because again i mean i hadn't really had a country hit yet so for him to want me on that right uh, it's pretty cool of him yeah and it went to number one which is pretty cool um did you did you expect that like obviously you're saying three o'clock in the morning you're there kind of barely awake did you ever think that that song would would kind of not only be a massive hit of the year but but make number one for kind of three weeks and, and that yeah three week number one yeah um yeah no <laughs> no not really you, don't, you know you're in the moment and i'm just like i'm tired of just trying to stay with it and keep the energy up and write a good song but you know there's lots of great songs that never see the light of day and that's just mm -hmm. the truth of it i have a lot of songs in my hard drive that are really great songs but just you know for they're not the right artist on it or no one's you know pitched to the right person or whatever it is you know there's lots of reasons so it's really hard to call the hits because you don't even know if they're going to get recorded but definitely when the artist is in the room and gets, gets he's saying exactly what he wants to say and then he records it the next morning and he sounds like he does and it all comes together like that when I heard the master uh, a few weeks later, I knew it was going to be something special for sure. Yeah. And you had another cut on the record as well. Good old boys. Was that written kind of after one of them girls? Was it something that came from that in initial writing session? Very different uh, songs. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Uh, 
yeah, I have good old boys and one of them girls. I don't know what yeah. it is with the profile. <laughs> um, but no, that was actually that we wrote that about eight months later or something like that. I think we wrote that this February, right before lockdown. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was a fun, a fun day. Lee came in with that idea and he already had like this, that guitar riff that's at the beginning of it. Um, he had that riff and um, that was, it was really, I think we wrote it in like an hour or something like that. It was really, really fast. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so that was, that was a fun one. Yeah. It, it, I don't really know what else to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. I don't really and... remember too much. It, it went so fast. Like I don't remember much about the right. I just remember he had that idea and it was like done. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> and he's obviously a, a massive star. So what's it like having two hits on his record must be pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's really cool. Well, the thing is, cuts are so hard to get. You know, even though I've had a lot, a lot of songs come out this year, it's there's thousand songs that haven't been cut. You know, mm -hmm. write one or two songs every day, and then you get, you know, twenty songs that come out in a year, and you're one of you're on the cloud nine because that's insane. That's a mm -hmm. lot of songs, but it's it's still a ton of songs that don't ever see the light of day. So yeah, uh, it's you're just grateful for every song that gets released. I mean, you don't take it for granted. Um, it's a really, really competitive business, and there's a lot of other really talented people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I really am thankful uh, every time anyone releases a song that I've had something to do with. Yeah, and you've just mentioned, but you've had a lot of songs come out this year. I mean, for for a year where things are so up in the air, there have been so many. Lauren Elena, Ryan Griffin, uh, Hunter Phelps, as you mentioned. Have you got any like favorites? of the past year that have come out that you're like, yeah, I'm so glad that's out in the world now. Uh, so definitely the first will be my band's music. Uh, yeah, of <laughs> besides that, uh, Give Heaven Some Hell is a special, special song. I mean, the, the day we wrote it, I like get chills thinking about it. It was just one of those moments that I, I don't know how often those come along. Um, it all fell together so perfectly and like, that was one that it didn't come out for a year after we wrote it, but we knew Hardy was going to release it. Mm -hmm. And every time we'd see each other, we'd, we'd talk about how much we listened to it. You know, sometimes you write a song, you never listen to it again. You just, mm -hmm. you know, you're done with it. But that's the song we would all drive around in our cars and just listen to it all the time. Cause we just thought, thought that song was so special. And um, so, yeah, that one was really, really, really cool to get to see come out and then to see everyone's reaction to it and see how much, um, it, you know, I get messages from people who, who talk about how much it's meant to them. You know, they've had a loved one pass away this year. I mean, a lot of people, especially this year, have really gone through some hard times and lost, mm -hmm. lost loved ones. And, and to get to see how that's really affecting people in a positive way is, is um, something that I don't think comes around every day. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, I cannot believe that the time has flown, so I'm going to wrap things up. But I do have, um, I have three questions that I ask everyone. I'm going to ask you, and I know you're going to sing for us as well, which would be great. Um, but my my three threes. Um, so firstly, right. can you name three songs that you wish you'd have written? I'm sure there's more than three, but to narrow down. Oh, <laughs> three. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, hey Jude by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. um, Teenage Dream by Katy Perry, and Live Like You Were Dying, Tim McGraw. Nice, good choices. Teenage Dream comes up a lot. It's a great song. <laughs> it's, it's the most perfect, to me, it's one of the most perfect pop songs ever written. It's, a, yeah. it's incredible. Definitely. And then, can you name three albums that you couldn't live without? Okay. Um, ooh, that might be really hard. Um, 
I'm trying to decide which Beatles album I want. Greatest <laughs> hits. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'll just say. I'll just say Revolver Beatles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. White album. It could be so many of the different ones. Uh, all right, a Beatles album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then uh, probably Twenty One, Adele. Um, mm -hmm. And then. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about the third one. Another Beatles album. There we go. <laughs> another, another Beatles album. Yeah. And then, you know what? It'd probably be uh, Pet Sounds, the Beach Boys. I think that's, that album's incredible. Yeah, definitely. And then three kind of artists or writers, producers that you, you haven't yet worked with that you'd really like to work with, your bucket list. Okay. Uh, Ryan Tedder. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, Max Martin. And. Um, Maybe. Alan Menken. Oh, that's good. Like <laughs> Alan Menken, for sure. 100%. Alan Menken's one of my heroes as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, Which but... I, I don't know if I can say that actually, but I just had a friend, I can't say who, just got to work with him, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> but there's your in. That's your connection. <laughs> I know. I'm, so... I'm hitting her up all the time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that's your in. Um, but I, I'm going to leave the, the floor to you in just a second um, to, to sing if you're happy to. Um, but I just want to say thank you so, so much. Um, I've loved hearing all the stories. I wish we had more time because um, I'm sure there are tons more. Um, but thank you so much for, for being a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Here goes nothing. I usually play this on piano, so this will be fun. Mistakes are made my fashion when you needed me. I wasn't there. I was young, I was dumb, I was so immature. And things that I did made you so insecure. But baby, I'm still your man, I swear. Please be patient with me. with me 